Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, Jonathan, and Merry Christmas to everyone. So we're, um, we're recording this uh, a couple of days before Christmas. It may well be one of the last UK Investor Magazine podcasts of the year. So myself and Alan thought it would be appropriate to, to wrap up some of the um, the key themes that we saw in 2020 and, of course, outline those themes and investment themes that we see as being the, the biggest ones in 2021 and touch on a number of opportunities to take advantage of those themes. So um, th- there's various topics that we're going to touch on today, but um, I, I think a place to to start is, is probably um, the oil market because it, it is one of the, um, the, the, the biggest surprises of, of 2020 in terms of um, underlying price action in, in the oil market. And of course, it's, it's quite a big um, constituent. And there's, uh, there's a large number of constituents in the in the London markets that are very much focused on oil. So oil has a big impact on um, broad-based portfolio returns. So, Alan, when, when we're looking at um, oil in 2020, of course, we saw the price go, go negative. Um, we saw uh, the destruction of oil shares um, not just here in the UK, but but on a on a global basis. I mean, in, in in your view, what do you feel that that 2021 could could bring for oil? Do you think it's going to be a a situation that we that we see a recovery, or, or do you think people have looked now at the oil market and seen what it's done and think, you know, th- this this is an old story now that that's that's going to die and may not reach um, um, where it has been in the past. Well, it's always an interesting conundrum, isn't it? I think, um, you know, when you've had, we've had oil majors during the year set their stalls out for the next 10, 20 years in regard to strategy. And BP, of course, um, says by 2030, it, 40% of its revenues will come from renewable energy. So that, I think, sends a very clear signal out uh, that uh, the, the oil companies are realigning themselves as energy companies. So, of course, they'll be generating energy, but it won't necessarily be from oil. And of course, that it, as that progresses, um, the, the uh, percentage of revenues from re- renewables will be higher and higher still. But nonetheless, I mean, we, we still have um, oil is still a huge factor in powering everyday life. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, all the way from uh, remote areas using oil, oil uh, you know, houses using oil powered uh, heating, um, uh, central heating boilers, uh, to cars, to, to to haulage, to transport, to air travel, to uh, to shipping. You know, you, you can't just turn that off overnight. So, yeah, demand will continue. Um, that demand will evolve as we go forward. But certainly, um, the oil price came back very strongly after everything ground to a halt uh, in March after the COVID first hit of course we're now starting to move again oil i think is about 46 47 um dollars uh, 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 per barrel uh, presently um i don't given the outlook i can't really see too much change in that um we're probably 
gonna it's it's probably gonna stay in my opinion where it is for the year. I think we've come back to uh, reflect or the price has come back to reflect a uh, forward demand now. Um, so unless I think unless something happens such as a new strain of COVID that the vaccines won't work for, I think we're going to see more of the same in 2021. I think the oil price will stay where it is. And obviously, um, it's it's going to uh, probably help some of the small oil companies um, uh, fund the projects they need to fund to get the oil out of the ground. But um, overall, um, I do have some exposure to oil myself personally, um, but I don't see that as a huge opportunity for growth other than with some selected small cap stocks uh, going forward. Indeed, among myself, I've got uh, some exposure to oil. I think it's very difficult if you're a UK-based investor to not have any uh, exposure to, to oil in in some way. But, but given this... Um, projection that, that the BP made that you know l- later in the 2020s we could be hitting peak oil do do you feel that the UK based investors are dangerously exposed to to oil companies you know of course BP and, and, and Shell have, have been um, pillars of, of income um, portfolios for, for the last few decades I mean that they've obviously cut their their dividends mm. and, and of course people have been looking at um, some of the the smaller uh, oil shares as, as good opportunities for growth, and yeah. of course, some of those must have been sold this year. But there'll be still um, quite a significant amount in in people's portfolios. I mean, is this a risk that's on the horizon that you think people aren't taking into consideration as much as they should be? Uh, I think there will always be opportunities um, uh, for in oil stocks, but. Um, um, I think the majors such as BP and uh, Shell would have to reinstate their dividends to former levels. Um, and it, I think if they did that, then that would signal confidence in the future of oil back to the markets. Um, and as you rightly said, you know, it's Shell in particular, or Shell and BP have been cornerstones of the major investment funds for as long as I care to remember. Um, and of course, you know, 2021 has completely, um, completely upset the apple cart in that regard. And although they, uh, both stocks still pay a, a small dividend or, or they pay a dividend, it's no longer the cornerstone dividend that it was. So um, the, the funds will have to look elsewhere. Um, however, I think, you know, if, if the two the companies are confident enough in their future strategy to reinstate the dividend, then I think that would send the clear signal out to fund to, to the funds and to the markets um, and probably dr- you know help drive uh, exploration from the from the mid caps and the small caps um, but there will still be um, opportunities and uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the mid cap explorers you know premier oil uh, tallow oil um, you know some of these could offer significant uh, opportunities going forward um, it's all about the cost of production and all, all about the the environment, uh, the geopolitical backdrop to to the the operations, um, and I think if if they, both of those get get a tick, then yeah, there, there will be opportunities going forward. Um, but um, for myself, longer term, I'm not going to um, uh, uh, open up to any more exposure than I currently have. Um, I also have 
uh, a stake in two smaller uh, oil explorers um, that uh, that are aimlisted. So, uh, you know, I see some upside there because, of course, they can get the stuff out of the ground. Um, and once they've done that, then, then of course, there'll be a, a, a further uplift in the share price. So there are there will be opportunities for capital gain for sure. But um, I don't see all as the investable proposition that it once was. Indeed, and I think that's going to be a very interesting story and see how that plays out in, in 2021. So you mentioned their um, funds and um, you know their, their exposure to oil and how that's changing. Um, moving on now, we want to um, touch on something that, that has been a significant theme in, in, in 2020 and, of course, was something that was becoming more prominent in, in 2019 and something that I think will, will definitely grow in 2021 again and and that's the theme of ESG Um, in particular fund managers have been increasing their offering of ESG designated um, funds there's a huge range of uh, mandates there Uh, you know some of those are what you'd call sort of true ESG funds where they're sort of really trying to search out those companies that, uh, that that are making a positive impact whereas other ones are just trying to and actually are admitting those ones that are seen as detrimental to um, the, the globe and, and, and uh, um, various different uh, societies. But Alan, when you're looking at um, the, the UK markets and, you know, from the perspective as a of a UK investor, I mean, I mean do you think this is something that people are moving towards as, as much as they should be, given the opportunities and some of the biggest themes such as renewable energies that are available at the moment? Certainly, uh, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I think um, I think uh, investors with a conscience will certainly uh, ensure that uh, ESG uh, funds uh, form a part of their portfolio. And um, there are some great opportunities. Uh, and you know, a, a lot of these funds offer uh, offer um, um, income as well. Um, there's an ETF called the Bluefield Solar Income Fund, Epic Code BSIF, that. Um, that uh, has uh, performed uh, reasonably well over over the past few years, and um, basically the company invests into solar farms um, and solar energy uh, operations around the UK, and it's delivered. Um, I mean, t- two thousand twenty has been a fairly unspectacular year, but um, certainly uh, over the past five years, the the stock or the um, the, uh, the the price of the uh, stock has risen steadily. It's come back this year, so I think at the current levels it offers a decent opportunity, a small yield uh, going forward. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it's a steady it's a steady player this one, but um, there are some great opportunities, and I think um, I think certainly um, anyone looking for a balanced portfolio should certainly consider ESG as part of their strategy. Indeed, I mean, there's been a number of exciting companies in, in 2021 that have really stormed um, forward. I mean, there's a company who actually presented in one of the UK Investor Magazine virtual conferences earlier this year, which is Ectech. Um, their yeah. share price has, uh, um, I think it's, it's probably up about 20 times from uh, the lowest point in uh in 2020, so a huge increase there and uh, very rewarding for, for shareholders. Again, ITM Power is one that would fall uh, into that uh, re- renewable space. Uh, they're up from 
you know, this time last year trading at around 70p. Now they're trading at £4.60. So, so uh, again, a, a significant move higher there. But Alan, do you, you touched on there that BP um, in the years to come said they would become a uh, renewable energy company. I mean, do you think that it that it's worth investors just sticking with Shell and BP because they're they're saying they're going to be changing, they're going to be investing, and they are investing in, in renewable power? Or is this something that really they should be trying to dig around and find um, some of these gems like Ectech and, and ITM Power that are at the forefront of innovation at this point in time? Yeah, I, I think a bit of both, actually, Jonathan. Uh, certainly, um, I mean, I, I, I'm a long-term shareholder of Shell, um, and I've been in and out of BP. But, uh, of course, companies the size of Shell and BP can afford to buy the tech uh, in these renewable energy companies outright and integrate it um, and uh, scale up uh, across the rest of their offerings. So, so I think, you know, those companies are very well placed because they've got, they, they have the resources in place to be able to, divide, to buy and further develop the technology. So, yes, yeah, certainly uh, they, make, they make very investable, investable propositions from that standpoint. Um, but I think all the while they've got the exposure to oil. Of course, that's uh, that is going to limit the upside. So, um, but as I said, as I made the point just now, I think if if there is a return to former dividend levels, I think um, at, at the sort of levels that BP and Shell are now, it would be an, it would be an absolute no brainer. But you pointed out Ectech, of course, they've done very well. ITM Power, another company that's done well is Powerhouse Energy Group, PHE. I mean, the shares were trading for years at around. Um, 0.5p and uh, um, pushed above a penny, I think, um, early this year. And all of a sudden, it's just exploded into life on the back of deals and validation of the technology and commercial uh, deals. Um, and the shares are, well, the shares um, uh, uh, j- just pushed over 8p this morning, which um, the, it's doing phenomenally well. So it's certainly a focus sector. And of course, when you get uh, companies like Ectech and like Powerhouse performing well and uh, delivering those sort of returns, it's going to it's going to catch the attention of the investing condescenti and um, and uh, and on the back of that, other companies will 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 warrant a mention as well. So certainly, it's good for the sector, and that there is some real opportunity. I think there uh, there are some real opportunities there for twenty twenty one. Indeed, and also notes. Uh... We've obviously touched on a number of individual companies there, but there is a broad selection of um, funds and trusts uh, focused on the renewable sector. We we met with uh, uh, the managers of JLEN earlier on this year, and that that's you know very steady. I wouldn't be, be expecting to see the returns that you've seen from some of these uh, innovative uh, small cap companies, but it, it's providing a very steady. A steady yield. The share price barely moves, even even um, during the midst of the coronavirus sell-off. It, it barely shed ten percent before it bounced back up again. Um, so that's that's a steady option if you want to be looking into the sector. And indeed, Greencoat offer uh, a number of different funds that focus on different uh, areas of the uh, renewable energy sector. So. Um, have have do have a look at those if you want to be getting some uh, exposure to the the sector. Now m- moving on, Alan, now this is probably one of your favourite themes um, in in twenty twenty, and, and no doubt it will be in twenty twenty one, and that's gold. 
So we saw, of course, a very strong surge in the price of gold um, during the beginning of the crisis. That has eased off to some extent since. Um, million dollar question, Alan, where do you see it going in 2021? Uh, a million dollar question indeed, John. Um, it, uh, I think, um, I think uh, 2021 is going to offer the same compelling uh, reasons to buy gold or to be invested into gold going forward simply because um, we're in a situation where governments globally are spending trillions and trillions of dollars, pounds, uh, renminbi, uh, yen on supporting economies that have been battered by by COVID and, of course, the, uh, the, the lockdown crisis. Um, and that won't end. I mean, we're... We were we were saying before we came on on air that uh, the of course the the uh, mutation of the COVID crisis is uh, has led, led to further lockdowns. It's led to massive increases in hospital in in uh, in cases of being people being infected and hospitalised. And um, if if this isn't pulled under control pretty quickly, then it's going to create another crisis. And people, if it's a national lockdown, that's going to be costing billions to the UK economy and of course uh, if it happens uh, globally to gl- econo- uh, the, the global economy worldwide so all the reasons are there to support um, assets like gold like silver like platinum and the platinum metals group and then of course we get on to uh, the metals that are going to power the uh, electric technology uh, batteries such as lithium graphite uh, cobalt nickel all of these metals are going to be vital. So, yeah, in short, there is a massive bull, bull case. So, uh, some people are saying $2,000, $2,200 a troy ounce. Some people are saying $5,500 a troy ounce, which is somewhat fanciful, I think. But nonetheless, I think uh, the only way is up for gold. And, of course, what that does, it provides instant validation for a lot of the junior Miners um, uh, listed here and around and uh, on the Canadian exchanges, the Australian exchanges, it validates a lot of these little projects that have been lying dormant for years, you know, projects that um, have hitherto been uneconomical in terms of the cost to get the stuff out of the ground versus what it can be sold for. Of course, that's all now changed. Um, And uh, we've seen a a huge recovery in the junior mining sector in 2020. and some, you know, some companies have turned from uh, multi-million pound companies or million pound companies into billion pound companies. And um, that is showing no signs of slowing down. And I think it's going to be more of the same come next year. So, I mean, obviously, gold holding it uh, as, as an asset that the physical gold doesn't give you a yield. So that is an argument that many investors would make against buying the the physical, but as, as you touched on there, um, some of the explorers have had tremendous years. Of course, I mean, Greatland Gold uh, is now a £1.4 billion yeah. pound company, which, which actually, um, if you're looking in the, the context of the FTSE 350, it will be, be worth more than, than a third of the constituents there. Of course, it's listed on name, so it's not included in the, in the FTSE 350. Um, I've been speaking to a few people in the city in regard to um, Greatland Gold over the last week. Um, a couple of people think it's got further to go. Some people are um, 
um, showing some caution in, in regards to its valuation and how much is being priced in. I mean, where do you sort of think that's that's going uh, next year, Adam? Well, I think Greyland Gold's had a fantastic year. Um, and uh, it, it, this was all about the validation and the the farming and the joint venture with Newcrest Mining on um, uh, uh, its Haveran prospect. Um, but, of course, it has a number of other mining prospects that uh, – uh, Gold prospects that, that are being developed, but um, the the driver this year or during twenty twenty four, Greyland Gold has been the joint venture with Newcrest Mining on the on developing the Haveran prospect. Um, but um, it's worth bearing in mind. So we've got this valuation now. Um, that's uh, Greyland Gold now owns thirty percent of that asset. Um, it's a four point two million ounce uh, resource, a gold resource. Um, and of course, it's uh, it's risen to that level on the back of that development and, and event. But there are many, many other developments, uh, uh, similar developments underway, uh, joint ventures on the verge of taking place. Um, and at the risk of boring some people, I don't think this is boring. I think it's incredibly exciting. We've got uh, a raft of other companies operating in Australia, uh, particularly in Victoria, in uh, the Victoria region where there are established gold mines. The Fosterville gold mine is the most profitable gold mine in Australia. Um, very low running costs and generating uh, or bringing up half a uh, 500,000 uh, uh, ounces of gold uh, uh, per annum. Um, and within this area, there are a number of other territories where the geological uh, anomalies that um, uh, have led to the successful mines being in place cross over into other license areas. Um, and ECR Minerals, ECR is the Epicode, is one such company. ECR currently has a market cap of twenty five, just 25 million. Um, and uh, the company have said that they are talking with um, several parties in regard to developing uh, one of its uh, two 100% owned prospects, which is the Kresik prospect. Uh, the Kresik uh, uh, prospect, which is just north of the Ballarat gold mine um, in southern uh, southern Victoria. It also has the Bailiston uh, prospect, again 100% owned, which is to the east of the Fosterville gold mine. Um, Newmont Mining has a license uh, uh, just to the north of uh, ECR's territory, and indeed there is interest from the majors uh, they've, they're running currently running the slide slide all over the Bellaston Prospect too. So, um, just to just to give you some perspective of where we are, look at where GG uh, Greatland Gold is GGP. Of course, uh, look at where the valuation is now. Look at where ECR is now. Um, if they get one of these joint ventures across the line, if there's a similar joint venture put into action, um, where could the valuation be? It, it's certainly higher than it is now, that's for sure. But uh, exactly where, of course remains to be seen. But this is just one example of a number of small gold money companies that um, are set for a very exciting 2021. Indeed, and th th there's a number out there. And I, I think what what makes um, those ones that are still in the early stages, such as, as ECR, um, exciting is if we do see a drop in, in the price of gold, um, we're very unlikely to see too much in the way of an impact on the, on the share price. Whereas um, th those ones that have are moving towards proven resources 
um, the market has already begun to price in um, based on what that asset is worth based on the, on the price of gold. So if we see a sharp uh, retraction in, in the price of, uh, of gold, of course, we're trading about $1,800 at the moment. If that starts to move down, then the, the shares start to look a little bit more unattractive. Um, just look at the FTSE 100, how that moves. You're looking at, at that Polymetal and, and Fresnillo, um, how they trade on, on news that relates to, to precious metals and they're seen as a safe haven to some extent. Um, that does hit uh, those companies that, that are at production or very close to, whereas companies like ECR, it's all about um, the, the, the drill program, where they are, and, and you know that those fluctuations don't have so much of, of an impact. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see how that plays out in, in 2021 for those uh, those two companies. I think I think it's also worth adding in for ECR that um, the company are fully funded through to the end of 2021 for all its activities. Plus, it also now owns a brand new diamond drilling rig, which it's, uh, it's going to be drilling, further drilling and testing uh, those two prospects anyway. Um, it also has uh, royalty incomes coming in from uh, three other prospects or three other prospects it's sold to Fosterville South Mining in 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 uh, in Victoria. Um, and of course, there is also the the Tambo crossing as well, the the Tambo Gold prospect. Um, so it, it's not a one trick pony. There are uh, many many strings to the ECR bow. So yeah, um, but do your own research, of course. Very important. Yes, yeah, and. Um... I mean, we, we've, of, of course, discussed a number of other uh, explorers. Um, I mean, Arkle Resources was one that, that we've touched on. Um, yeah. They, of course, uh, they've got a number of interesting projects that are worth uh, checking out if, if you're interested in the, the gold mining and junior gold mining side and of things. There's also Conroy Gold in Ireland, too, that's worth a look. They're, they're on the verge of signing a, a joint venture with uh, Anglo-Asian Mining. Uh, on their um, on the Clontebret uh, prospect, um, that's north northeastern Ireland. So yeah, Argyll uh, are also, of course, island based as well. Indeed. So yeah, do 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 have a look at those. So um, th- this is the the, the last uh, subject that we're, that we're going to touch on in in any great detail today in, in this podcast, Alan, and one that is probably going to be the most important. Um, for the UK uh, in 2021, and that, of course, is Brexit. We, we've discussed it on numerous occasions and the impact on markets that it's had over 2020. Uh, we're, of course, now uh, moving towards a potential no-deal uh, Brexit. They're, you know, they're, they're going backwards and forwards, but it looks as though we're going to be going through that uh, that deadline and, and, and negotiations will, will continue into um, 2021. I mean, if, if that happens, Alan, of course, there could be a last minute deal. What, what do you think the fallout in, in markets is actually going to be in those first weeks in January? Well, the irony is that I, th- I think whatever the outcome, it's already priced in. I think we saw a, a, a fall in the FTSE, fell about 2% um, when, of course, the uh, all of the uh, ports uh, across Europe in European co- countries were shut to the UK. But that was, of course, on account of COVID. So if movement stops altogether, then, of course, that's a, that's a very different scenario. But um, it's, it's important to remember that uh, the UK is a huge market 
for European countries who also sell a lot of produce to us. Um, Germany, I think we're Germany's second biggest car market. Um, you know, it's uh, we're a huge and very important market to them. So it, it works. It very much works both ways. This. So if we can't if we can't get settlement on all of the issues, then um, I think the the arrogance that the EU were exhibiting um, early this year and earlier in the negotiations has now has now abated somewhat. And Barnier is indicating, you know, that they are prepared to discuss and and resolve these matters beyond the actual deadline. Because you can set a deadline, but if you can't reach agreement, you can't just stop everything. It, it, you know, that's going to hugely affect the EU economy and, of course, our own economy. So. I think there'll be, um, I personally think there'll be a, a, a sort of bridging arrangement where, where we'll agree to disagree and things will go on in some ways as before. Um, but business will continue. And most importantly, movement will continue. That's the most important thing. Um, we've got the vaccines now, so long as we can start to get back to normal. Um, and of course, yeah, the pound fell as well. But given that the the uh, FTSE uh, 100 is made up of so many dollar-earning companies, um, that impact is largely negated by the big resource companies that uh, earn in dollars. So um, I don't, there's going to be some volatility for sure, but I don't see, unless unless everything's, unless movement stops altogether, which I don't believe for a second it will, other than the emergence of some uh, weird and new virus that we don't know about yet. Um, I don't think we're going to see too much difference. Um, we're obviously going to see um, the ravaged uh, retail sector further hit after Christmas. I'm expecting, sadly, some more um, some more uh, um, liquidations and bankruptcies in the uh, retail sector. Um, I think it's inevitable. But um, the economy will still continue to function. And obviously, once we have the, the vaccines in place, once we can get back to some semblance of normality, um, it'll be more the same. Indeed. So let, let, let's just look at um, a two particular sectors. So in, in the United States, they have the, the tech sector, which is a real household um, favourite. They're, they're the largest capitalised companies uh, within their major indices. If I was to make a direct comparison, of course, we don't have um, any major tech companies listed here in London, um, but the, but the two sectors that I say that really fall in, into being household names uh, are the banks and the house builders. Of course, uh, the performance has not been anywhere near uh, what it has been um, of, of the tech stocks. But I think that the you know, sort of sentiment um, that surrounds them in, in terms of them being a barometer of what's happening in the underlying economy and um, really a reflection of uh, investor sentiment would be the, those two sectors in, in the banks and the house builders, which are both quite heavily down this year. Of course, there's been COVID, which, which has slowed down uh, the house building sector and, and put all sorts of strains on, on, on the banks. Um, and of course, if we, t- we touched on their Brexit, I mean, do you think that the 2021 could be a a year where we start to see? Let's let's take the the, the two one by one. If we start with the house builders, Alan, uh, we've seen some uh, rebound in their prices, but but when we're looking at the UK housing market and activity there going forward, how do you see that playing out in 2021? 
Well, I think house prices have been incredibly resilient, and uh, and I think um, I think we've we've seen record gains uh, uh, in some areas in the UK this year. Um, and of course, uh, at the end of the day, there are there is still a housing shortage in the UK. That's a that, that that's an that's an indisputable fact. So so going forward, um, I think uh, I think the house builders will uh, will continue to perform and deliver um, further recovery in 2021. Um, the certainly the um, we've spoken about some of the technology companies, the uh, well the companies like Rightmove and uh, in particular on the market that uh, uh, includes it, it brings in estate agents and. Um, and and clients like that as shareholders, um, uh, most of the major UK house builders use on the market to sell their new properties. So um, I I think that demand is set to continue. I don't see any change in that at all. Um, as for as for banks, um, uh, of course the banks have uh, have really recovered from 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 the uh, earlier lows that we saw uh, in the year. Um, they have, of course, been the the vehicles through which the the C bills loans, the um, uh, the the uh, the business loans uh, have been provided, um, and there will be some exposure to businesses that, of course, will fail in twenty twenty one and uh, will go to the wall. Um, but I also believe as well that as the banks were pretty well forced into that position, then if if there is a if there are if there are uh, um, unprecedented levels of bankruptcies and failures, which are leaving the banks holding the baby, as it were. Then there will probably be some further assistance from the uh, from the UK central bank uh, or the Bank of England and um, and the government in that regard. So, um, and I think that's a, a pattern that we're going to see now. The, the The government has stepped in to help so many different businesses at so many different levels. Um, they, it's very unlikely that they will leave any one particular sector holding the baby, as it were, if that sector fails on account of um, on account of COVID. I'm sure there will be some assistance if required. And I'm just just looking at the, the UK from an international perspective now. I mean, this new variant news on, on the COVID situation has. Uh, uh, made the UK, in particular England, look somewhat isolated. Do you think they will follow through into into international investors' uh, actions going forward? Do you, do you think investors will start to look at the UK and think, well, you know, there's um, you, you're dominated by oil companies and and banks, which you know have have legacy issues, um, and and make it a, a destination now where it, it doesn't look attractive as it once was. Well, I think that I think that yes, some some will take that view. Others will see it as, as an opportunity that we the the uh, the UK now unencumbered by the shackles of the UK, U, EU bureaucracy can now crack on and do business with the rest of the world on its own terms. Um, and I, I guess it, you know it's a it's whether you're a bottle half full or bottle half empty um, uh, person. Uh, but I I personally take the uh, bottle half full approach and I think uh, the UK will be attractive and let's not forget we're a nation of innovators um, you know the uh, you know business you know the Formula One technology is largely based in the UK um, and we lead the world in so many areas still um, a, lo- a lot of that, te- that technology and talent has moved abroad but um, 
I, I don't see, I, I think uh, on the digital front, uh, you know, we're, we're very much at the forefront of uh, uh, global developments. A lot of small technology companies and being based at an innovation center on the South Coast, you know, I see an awful lot of uh, great innovation just coming through these centers and uh, coming through universities and being spun off into the commercial sector. So I I don't see that changing. And um, uh, my view certainly is that um, uh, a lot of investors will take the view that the UK is now better positioned to do business with the best of the world. Others won't. Uh, um, and I think there are probably so many arguments for and against that. It's really down to personal opinion. Indeed, I have to agree there. I mean, taking a look at the, the largest companies listed on our stock exchange doesn't give a true representation no, of the definitely. underlying economy and the activity that's happening here in, in, in the UK. A very interesting discussion we had on, on the most recent virtual investor conference uh, with Justin Urquhart Stewart, and he was pointing out that there are a huge number of innovative companies that are at that level where they're quite they're not quite ready for for a listing but they still require funding and i think that's an issue that we need to address here in the uk you know uk investors uh if we're not going to be seeing um people from from overseas investing in the uk that this is very much something that that people hear and, and i think the reason why that's not happening is, is probably down to to the channels of getting involved in these companies um, but speaking to various people and, and plans for 2021, I think that could soon change. Um, and to get us out of this uh, rut uh, that, that we're currently in on an economic basis, I, I think there's going to have to be uh, a real push towards that innovation and a lot of focus on there. So I think that's going to be a real opportunity going forward uh, in 2021 I agree. for UK investors. So, Alan, thank you very much for, for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. It's a pleasure and uh, a very happy and peaceful Christmas to you and all the listeners. Yes, indeed, Dan. H- happy Christmas to, to you and indeed um, wishing all of our uh, listeners a very prosperous 2021. And thank you very much for listening in 2020. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.